BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Thank you, and thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. I am, of course, joined by my good friends, the live studio audience themselves, PC Tunney, and the lawyer, David Ungar. We are going to be a little bit lighter on the bandwagon for a little while. Much love. We miss you, Ray Cash, but he will be back in the future. Guys, no list to make this week. And Tony talked about it a little bit off air. Kind of felt kind of felt a little lazy. Is that, is that what I heard coming into the show? Felt a little easy, Tony? Is that, is that what it was? Maybe not lazy, maybe just like easy, uh, easier. I mean, I, I missed it almost. Right. Like I, you know, I used to like setting that time beforehand and leaving myself a good 90 or so minutes to do some research and get yeah. down on it, except for I don't always do the best research, obviously. But uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. Don't worry about it, man. It's not, we've got, it sounds like we got a plethora of lists in the future and future shows to do. Uh, 
just given the chair shot chair, the sorry, the bandwagon nerd chat yesterday, we've got probably about eight different music project episodes we could work on. There's a television project that Dave brought up uh, involving theme songs, and I don't even know where to begin if we did that one, Dave. Like that's a great idea. I just don't know. Like that could be a 52 week run of of the show when you think about it, it just depending on how we want to do tv music it feels like another top 50 project actually and we know how well the last top 50 project we did actually that 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 was a great project it was just that last episode we got a little uh too well, um too big for ambitious. our britches ambitious there we'll you go say we were a little too ambitious to try and chunk 20 into one episode and then we still and this is one of the things I'm floating as we we've talked about this. We're, we're under 20 episodes to go to number 100. And I still love doing the bandwagon playlist idea uh, as a project, the, bla- the bandwagon playlist project, something that we could make and put on Spotify that would be available to the masses. Um, that would be fun. I, I got to look into seeing whether or not that would be how feasible that would be or how easy that would be to do. But I and this is hey, folks, you're getting this in the moment right there with the rest of the bandwagon, Pat, Patrick O'Dowd's brain. But I was thinking, like, what's a what's a a good sizable playlist? And it kind of depends on what you want the playlist to be for. Like, if it's for a road trip, you kind of want like a longer playlist, or if you just want, like, we just did ten. That's that's a thirty song playlist if it's just the three of us, right? Uh, or you do a road trip playlist maybe we do it over two episodes that's like 60 tunes each of us did a top 20 for a playlist that'd be a hell of, hell of a long hell of a lot long car ride nice car ride mm-hmm. and uh great tunes for all of us because just based on what i've heard in the lot or read out of our chats the last couple of days there's some variety amongst us like there's some there's some commonalities but i think there's some variety too i i almost wish we would have had that discussion yesterday um out in the twitterverse and not in our dm right, 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 right. stuff there was a lot of great suggestions from people um that you might not expect and a lot of great suggestions on on who was what so yeah the music thing is definitely in the future yeah i uh i'm i'm looking forward to it dave you you had a thought before uh before i do our whole rundown uh i did but i it kind of left Real quick, we, you're talking about uh, or like a 30 song playlist. You know, it's like, well, that's because like from where I live, that'll get me to the beach. So that's a perfect playlist. Right. See, I do longer road trips, too. Like I, I have like 80, 90 song playlists because nine times out of 10 when I'm playing one, I'm driving for at least four five, six hours because I'm usually driving from the East Coast back to the Midwest. So to visit family and whatnot. So you got to have a lot of tunes and you don't I don't like repeats. No, I got I got that, one that we've called the super awesome playlist that's sitting at about thirty five hundred songs. I just keep adding stuff to it. It never it never ends. Right. That's uh, I got one of those, too. But uh, and I think I just call it Pat's commute music <laughs> is really just anything that it w- would play on a drive. But we're not we're not here to talk about future bandwagon problems. And this is that's future us as problems to worry about right now. What we've got, we are back to kind of a standard show. We have a new Disney Plus series to talk about today. The first episode of Loki debuted this past Wednesday. You're listening to us on Monday, so it's still pretty fresh. 
we're going to go back to the trailer park. Uh, I took a little, I, this isn't in Tony's wheelhouse. I want to own it, but I went a little more on the horror side for some of the trailers this time around. And I know that's not Tony's thing though. The first one, I got a comp that I think Tony's going to appreciate based on his nineties list. And he's already nodding. Yep. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. First thing uh, I thought and of. Then, and then we're going to, after our second break today, we have been waiting on Netflix and Geek Week happened this past week, and Netflix gave us what we wanted. Give us what we want. Netflix gave us a lot of what we want. And so we're going to break a lot of that down. And it's probably going to feel a little bit like a visit to the trailer park, a little bit not. But we just got real news on on some stuff we've been looking forward to. And so very, very excited about that. And I, I'm not going to waste any more of our time because we got a Marvel show to cover. So let's cue the music. All right, feels good to have that playing back as our intro gets the blood stirring a little bit. We got our first, uh, episode of loki this week and i i i'm not gonna lie i had to laugh when i saw the social media sort of critical reactions to it and and i'm gonna start this episode and this discussion this episode with a question do people expect too much out of a debut episode from these series now because the social media and sort of the article reviews that i had of this first episode were People kind of being like, oh, it was uneven, it was slow, it wasn't what I wanted. And I sat there, was like, they they created an entire backdrop of a world for us and gave us and gave us a, an antagonist that wasn't was a surprise, but not a surprise. And I thought this is a pretty great episode. And so I don't I was just I, to me, I was like, are critics now coming in expecting you to be blown away? episode one and is that fair so dave i'll start with you is that is that fair or critics being fair to these series you mean like internet troll critics those kind of critics is that no, these are like these are like <laughs> real so like like you all know like i even said this um at the end of the last episode i had said oh the the review embargo I think has been lifted because people are, are talking about reactions on Twitter. And so I was looking forward to that. And most of those reactions start as Twitter reactions before they get into reviews. But reviews were really like critics. Apparently, from what I understand, critics got to see two episodes. They got to see the first episode, and the second episode. And almost across the board, every review I read in various websites articles or whatever was first episodes really uneven and i wasn't sure how i was gonna go second episode was blah 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 amazing and i guess i just disagreed because i really enjoyed this first episode and so my question was is what do our critics being tough like are they expecting too much out of a first episode out of these marvel disney plus series and what set that up it seems like there's a lot of consensus amongst a lot of critics and fans. Um, like a level of impatience is going on. Like they want that first episode to be all encompassing and tie in all of the loose ends in episode one and then go from there. And that's not, 
I, I don't think we've ever seen any series, any of the ones that we've watched or reviewed that do that. So I, I yeah, I don't, I think it's unfair for the critics to expect the first, especially a first episode like this, which is like, well, what were you really expecting from, from Loki? I mean, this is, this is a completely fresh and original storyline. There's no rumors or innuendo that it's tied into any of the upcoming movies. Um, so really what were you, what were you expecting? And I think, I think you're right, Pat, they, they created, um, a world revolving around the TVA, which is, you know, they're in the comics, but it's not anything that's super fleshed out. If I recall, it's they're here and there and they're kind of hit and miss. And I think they're involved with Kang quite a bit, if I recall correctly. So maybe this ties in to Kang. Can't imagine why. Yeah, I can't (laughs) imagine why either. Um, so maybe it's tied into that, but I thought, you know, they, they captured, the 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 thing that I got out of the episode part of it is that they seem to want to move Loki away from villain and kind of make him more at least anti hero, and we don't know where this series is going to go well, whether he gets back to we'll, his. We'll, we'll get to we'll get to Analysis in a second. I yeah. do want to get Tony's thought on the on the initial question before you do your Dave thing and break down the whole episode <laughs> when we try to talk it in, about it in chunks, because uh, I, I love you. You're just always bursting with information. Tony, what do you think, man? I enjoyed it. I don't know what people were expecting. Like, this is the beginning. Like you said, they're giving you something that you don't really have an in-depth background on, right? Um, right. Not to not to jump the gun, but hey, they gave you the realization that Loki never knew he was a bad guy. I mean, what the fuck else do you want here, right? I mean, you, you right. have a gigantic development in the first fucking 50 minutes, you know? Stop being wrestling fans, for Christ's sake. <laughs> right. So, Dave, now get now I'm going to circle back to your point and what they're trying to build out of Loki. Because what we do get here in the quick summary is, you know, Loki, this, this series picks up immediately from his point in Endgame. Like where he lands at Endgame, he arrives in uh, Mongolia and he stands up and he's immediately going to start doing Loki things where he's burdened with great purpose and is going to attempt to like lord over these folks. And then the TVA arrives and arrests him and charges him with a crime against the time stream. He is standing trial when Owen Wilson's character, and I've already forgotten Owen Wilson's character's name. I'm sure one of you are. Mobius, so drink everybody, because um, Patrick O'Dowd forgot a character name. Get started. Um, Mobius pulls him aside and starts going through Loki's life with Loki. And then, Dave, I'll let you pick it up from there. Loki comes to some realizations, and Tony's already hinted at it as well. Yeah. He does. And and it's, you know, he's he does come to some realizations, and it takes him watching kind of like his future. And where his future goes and, and the ramification of his actions. And, and the one that hits him the hardest, of course, is the death of his mother. Um, and then he sees himself kind of come full circle and be standing there next to his brother and Thanos killing him. So yeah, Loki comes to the realization it's all full circle that, wow, this is where things end up. Um, I think he realizes that maybe this variation of him is a, is a second chance. I don't think he's looking for redemption or anything like that. He's looking for understanding. Um probably some self-reflection and that sort of thing, but it, it does seem like they want to, and this is and this mirrors the MCU, the same direction where Loki started in the first Thor to where he ends up in, um, you know, infinity war where he gets killed. That progression of him as a character is very non-linear because he goes from 
villain to anti-hero to hero back to villain back to something and by the end of it all he's you know his brother's one of his biggest allies which didn't seem possible so i i think you know and this seems like at least from the first episode like they want to go in that direction but they could also circle back i mean we've seen all this stuff about vote for loki and what exactly does that mean um in in some of the stuff coming later on so i don't know it just it seems to me like they want to make loki more of a sympathetic character more of a a fan friendly they want to turn it's a face turn for loki that's going on and 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 i i I mean i know there's more to it than that there's got to be more to it than that because there's multiple variations of loki running around apparently um but yeah, I thought without getting into any other stuff, you know, the the aspects of the TVA and what they do and how they monitor the the one time stream. That's I forget what they called it. The singular, not the singular. Uh, I can't remember. But there's supposedly one time stream. Any, any, anything, anything. Yeah, exactly. And anything branching off of that's a problem. So um, that's that's my thoughts on on what they're doing with him. It was um. Yeah, it was it was kind of cool. It was emotional to watch him watch where he ends up, which is which is tragic, but heroic in its own way. So I, I thought it, it was a really interesting first episode. You know, I, I enjoyed it, but it's like, OK, yeah, OK, where exactly are we going with this thing? And I even had the same problem that a lot of other people did. I don't know where we're going yet. And I feel all uncomfortable because I'm unsure of where things are happening. And then I'm like, ah, I'm just going to be here for the ride anyway. So what's it matter? I, I think them giving you like as much as they did as for the TVA was, was really cool. Right. You mentioned they created this whole planet. You got Loki who finally gets a full view of what's happening outside of where he initially starts. And he's like, this isn't real, you know, and you have flying cars and all this technology and everything else. Um, Owen Wilson, man, I haven't like seen him really in much or, or watched anything he's been in in a while. And when he looks up at the judge and says, I, I feel like I'm always looking up to you. And, and that's fitting, you know, because of your, your whatever. I can't remember the rest of the line, but I'm like, yeah, that's the Owen Wilson. I remember that that's really making this. And the concept of having the cartoon video for these people that come in to explain what's happening as well. It's, it's like, just it's like our I, Disneyland I ride. It was. I thought it was so freaking cool. I just don't understand the criticism. To all you people, I can only say STFU. <laughs> I, Dave, to your point, I Loki's become such a popular character. I don't think people want him to be a villain, right? So I think that what you saw there was intentional. Now, what I think people love about him is that he's never completely on the up and up. You know, he's always got something up his sleeve. And even when he's doing it for good right at the very end, like he still literally was trying with a knife up his sleeve to take Thanos out before he could get too powerful. And so, yeah, I think that people remember evil Loki. They want the mix. They want the anti-hero. And so you got you to gotta give him got to give him a dose of humanity and him seeing what was and what could have been was a good way to do that. Tony, you look like you were about to, you were about to say something else there when I, when I was dropping that. In. I, I got a text message. So that mind, that thought totally left my mind there. Um, All right, yeah, it's, no, it, no. Okay. I remember, but it, they tell Owen Wilson tells Loki that 
your future is our, we already know your future, right? So you get into some real existential stuff, especially if you think about your own reality, right? right? Like, does it really matter what I do if I'm going to end up in the same place anyway? And these are all the things that he's dealing with, you know? And I feel like you're going to get honesty between him and Owen Wilson for the most part, verbally, maybe not in action wise on the side, but I think from now on forward, you know, this is a buddy movie. These two guys are going to be together, right? Uh, you're going to get honesty there. He's he, he asked him about the the I can't think of the name right now the cube tesseract. Cube. Thank you, yeah, the tesseract. tesseract. He's like, uh, did you try to use that? He said multiple many times. It, it doesn't work. Not even the infinity stones work. And shout out to the guy who was behind the desk that he threatened to gut a fish and didn't even know what the fuck a fish, no, was. A fish that was. was. Great. That was funny stuff. Wait, let me can if I can because this is one of the things that got asked of me by certain. Some people who who, you know, seem to think that, you know, we know what we're talking about as far as this show is concerned. And the question that got asked me is like, what's the deal with all the infinity stones in the drawer? And I'm like thinking, well, those are variant infinity stones. Huh? They're variant infinities. Yeah. And I was like thinking is like, well, there's 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 probably multiple variants of these infinity stones floating around the time stream. And they end up in as paperweights in some guy's desk because you know, and it's like we said in other in other um, stories and things like that. The Infinity Stones only work in a certain universe at a certain time. So wherever the TVA right. is, the Infinity Stones are basically worthless paperweights. They have no power. Even if you put them in a gauntlet, they don't work there. I've seen like, uh, that's, what's that? That's they've been that's what they've been used for. Yeah, too. that's what they've been used for. So right. yeah, it's. I think it's important to understand for for anybody wondering about the Infinity Stones is that. Yeah, they only are super powered in certain places, certain times, certain universes. In other universes, they're nothing. They're useless. Like like JLA Avengers is one of the things I go back to where they end up with the infinity. Darkseid gets the gauntlet, but the stones are powerless in the DC universe. And he just throws the gauntlet aside like, well, fuck this. You know, so I think it's important to understand that that the stones are not always the super powered, god bearing mega weapons. Um it only works in certain places. So yeah, there could be many variants of these things floating through the time stream that are just like trash. Absolutely. And revelations that, that came out of this episode. And that's the thing is this, this episode followed the pattern that many a show follows. We have a new world. We have to establish it. We have to set up the ground rules for everybody as we're experiencing it. So that's why we have to go through what some people may have perceived to be a slow, clunky episode explaining the TVA. But you need to understand the TVA and what they can do and what their role is in order to really go forward. What was great for me was, one, the revelation about the Infinity Stones, Two, we got an answer about the Avengers because one of the things that everybody's been asking about in regards to Loki and why he was brought in by the TVA and the Avengers weren't, Loki asked that question. And the answer is they did what they were supposed to do within the time stream. Now, some people aren't going to be happy with that. They're going to be like, whatever. But that's their... That is their throwaway explanation as to why Captain America isn't brought before the TVA, why the Avengers aren't brought before the TVA, because they were following what they were destined to do. And this is becoming this concept of destiny. And really, what I think is the hint that that Tony was getting on, it, is the future really written? And is it written for Loki? The other revelation, and as we talk about what is old is new again, 
was the scene with the stained glass window. And I shared an article with the two of you because you shake your head, but Owen Wilson's Mobius is having a conversation with a child in a church about who has done this horrible, who has done these horrible things and killed these members of the TBA. The child points to a stained glass window. It is a horned devil. And of course, everybody went to Mephisto. Mephisto. What is the obsession with this character? I mean, we went through eight episodes of this with WandaVision and now we're right back to it. Well, it's so much so that the director did an interview that I shared with the two of you being like, no, it was about Loki and the horns of his crown. And so, but come on, like it's a devil. That's why. That's an easy connection to make. Like I'm sitting there as I'm reading this interview and the director's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, when I saw it later, I was like, oh, man, yeah. I'm like, come on, bullshit. Bullshit, come on. You knew a little bit that people were going to make a tangential connection. Sure. I, but, like, you know, you, it, it, is, it is funny to me. I, I have to laugh because this is, we've had three Disney Plus series. This is the second one where the Mephisto theory is overriding everything. And I'm like, Mephisto's not really that popular or huge of a character in the Marvel universe, but. I guess a lot well, more people like him than I thought and, and want to see him come forward. And, and I don't know what people think he represents, but okay. But yeah, you can't read every Easter egg that comes out of these series. is not Mephisto based. Go ahead. Tony. Do you think that, do you think that WandaVision has like, was the one that incited all this like speculation right away from everything we didn't get from there. Right. It carried, there wasn't much to speculate on the Falcon and winter soldier. Right. But right. you kind of like, didn't get everything you wanted from, WandaVision, so now you're like, oh, well, this time they have to give you this. Um, yeah, I'll wait to give you my theory on the ending it. until we get to it. I think, like, the cosmic stuff is going to have that. I mean, Cap- Falcon and Winter Soldier was very ground-level, street-level heroes and that sort of thing. WandaVision and, and, and now Loki are going into the cosmic realm where there are m- so many possibilities that it naturally feeds into a lot of these fan theories and a lot of these Easter eggs and this could be this and this could be this. And yes, you're right. It could be. It's probably not, but you're right. It could be. I just want to say something before you comment, Patrick, and, and move along from the storyline or whatever we're going to talk about for Loki next. And before I forget, it's like a little sidestep, but speaking of time travel, if you're a fan of Josh Gates and Expedition Unknown, he is currently it, the first episode aired last week and there's two more. He is doing three episodes on Back to the Future. The first one was three hours, and Christopher Lloyd was in it, and so was um, Howard the Duck, female lead. Oh, Leah Thompson. <laughs> Leah Thompson. Why I forget her name. So Back to that. it's something really cool to catch out. Check out Expedition Unknown, Back to the Future. Howard the Duck, the greatest DC Universe character of all time. Absolutely. Said it. Said it. Got me to so, write. Dave, to answer your question, I, I do think that He's okay. So Mephisto's not exactly like this top line villain that everybody loves, but there's a lot of similarities to Mephisto and Loki, first of all, though much more sinister and evil. And it, he, his speculation thread started before WandaVision even came about. Like, you can go back as far as Doctor Strange and see people talking about the possibility of Mephisto, Mephisto 
as a villain. And so people have been kind of on the lookout for this character for quite some time. And anytime there's anything that has to do with, with the, um, the multiverse, the metaphysical, the magical, we start to look for specific villains. And Mephisto is one of those that fits in very well. There was a lot of speculation about nightmare too, when we got to WandaVision as well. And, and none of that turned out to be right. And again, when you point to a stained glass window of a devil, like it literally, like where else is a Marvel fan going to go, right? Until they tell you, no, no, it was really just the horns on Loki's helmet that the that the child was really referencing, not necessarily Mephisto. So, like I said, I don't think it. I don't think it's an accident that 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 they use that sort of image and allow people to have that inference. Cause I do think that the MCU and Kevin Feige loves that part of the fan base. They, they love the speculative part because it is part of what makes watching their shows kind of fun. Oh, and it creates like, a lot of buzz. It creates a ton well, of buzz. Every, every week. That's what we do. But you know, I'm going to miss Ray the most um, during this little, uh, this hiatus when he's gone because Ray is the king of finding threads and running with theories. I think, you know, Ray's going to watch this anyway. So I think we should make sure. it a point to maybe, maybe take turns or whatever, but like catch them and be like, yo, send one of day. us, send one of us your theories and thoughts on it. So we can discuss them on the show too. Cause you're right. He, he's really in tune as well. Well, and I mean, that was his big thing at Falcon, the winter soldier. Like he had all of it laid out. So, but let, let's do get to the end uh, of this episode uh, before we, before we kind of put a wrap on, on this segment it is revealed at the end when mobius makes a deal with loki to help stop someone who is messing with this time stream that loki that we see is trying to stop loki which leads to a lot of questions how many variants of loki's are out there just to begin with but it immediately made me question everything I've seen in trailers. Because if Loki is really the bad guy that's messing with timelines, which Loki are we seeing in the timelines or like in these trailers? Like the vote for Loki that we're seeing is that the same Loki that's talking to Mobius? I don't know. I don't know. And Tony, we'll let you kick this one off since you, you said you had a little bit of a theory about the reveal. What do you got for us? So obviously there's like different speculation on all the different variants of Loki, right? You've got obviously the stained glass window providing you what's going on there. Um, you could have King Loki from the future. There's, isn't there a lady Loki and everything else like that? There is. Loki so been before I, I feel like you're going to run into all these variants and maybe this is where secret invasion comes from because these are all scrolls using Loki as a way to invade. Wow. I hadn't thought about that one. That's an interesting concept. Um, but, you know, to quote Christopher Lloyd and Doc Brown, I just don't think we're thinking fourth dimensionally here, guys. That's that's oh, what I, it, no, I thought you're going to say I thought I thought you're going to say when that thing hits 88 miles an hour, you're, you're going to see, see some, some serious shit. shit. That's 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 true, too. I mean, I the thing for me is, is like you've got multiple Lokis running around multiple variants. The TVA is so, um, shall we say, aggressive about resetting any variants that aren't supposed to be there. They're obviously trying to chase this one down and have called in another variant of Loki to help them. 
But it raises the question, okay, we know where this variant of Loki came from. He took the Tesseract and fled. How did these other variants come into being? And and and, and what what was the 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 you know the flashpoint that allowed these other Loki's to get that's, into this thing. Flashpoint's not Flashpoint doesn't have anything to do with you this. You know that's what I mean? Thing. It's not a trademark term. It's just <laughs> a vocabulary term, Pat. So, um, multiverse, I, the multiverse. I, yeah. I, well, we know there's a multiverse, and and they explain. They did a really good job of explaining the multiverse and and the and the prime timeline and how we're really dealing with Nexus Earth and Earth six one six, and that's where Nexus Earth is. Um, you know, I think they did a they did a good job of explaining things, and and so you realize, like Pat, you were saying earlier, the stuff with the Avengers, and and why didn't they interfere with the Avengers, and why didn't they stop Captain America? Because that was what was supposed to happen, and that was clear. Loki escaping into the time stream in 2012 with the Tesseract clearly not supposed to happen. It raises a question, like I think I mentioned it in the chat room, is that what happens to the Gamora who battles on the battlefield at the end of Endgame? And then we don't know what happened to her. She's obviously at that time frame. That's five years after her death. So she shouldn't be there. So maybe the TVA swooped in and got her. And that's why you never see her again. I wouldn't be, I would not be surprised to see her show up in Loki at some point. That might be an interesting little side thing that they do. But um, yeah, I, it's, it's going to be great. I think you're right though. I think the stuff, the vote for Loki, it's this a variant trying to usurp control through various points in time for some overriding reason. There's some bigger scheme that he's got that that Loki knows about. And he's got to, if I hit this point, this point, this point, it creates some sort of cascading effect that unravels the time stream. Because I think the risk is, it seems like getting a multiversal split of the time stream is, is something that the variants are probably shooting for because it creates chaos and Loki can be kind of chaotic. So yeah, and here's the thing. We're one episode in. Um, there's going to be a lot to go. What do you think? Uh, what do you? I mean, I think TVA Loki with Owen Wilson, with Mobius, his main goal is to what, regardless of, yes, he's going to help him, right? But the reason he's helping him is he wants to reverse what he saw about him being responsible for killing his mother. That's the storyline right, overall right, right. On, on, for, for, for TVA Loki. Right. And I think that the thing you got to remember as we watch this show, no matter how many good things Loki does, uh, it's always about his own motivations. So whether that's, you know, making up for the death of his mother and trying to fix that, it's also going to be about him coming out on top. And I'm part of what makes Loki so appealing is that he's always trying to find ways to come out ahead. That's why you see at the end of Thor Ragnarok, he can't just leave Asgard. He's got to take the Tesseract with him. Like he just can't stop himself. And so what will be the breaking point there? I don't remember how many episodes we have on this. My last question that I wanted to just do with you guys. Six. They said six. six. That's it? Six. Oh. Yeah. So, and, there, and there was like, there was something I, I don't mean to cut you off, but they had like, it, it, I guess it's like not set when the episodes are coming out because they thought they were going to flip episode two back to a Friday schedule, but they did confirm it's coming out um, June 16th, the next one. Nice. Which now that actually kind of kills my question a little bit because now I, I think I understand, but 50 minute episodes, how we, how do we feel about the first episode being 50 minutes? 
Because we've been we've been getting thirty minute installments. Did it feel like fifty? It didn't feel like fifty no, well, to me. I think no. like no, we got used to that with Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like WandaVision was the shorter stuff. Falcon and Winter Soldier was the long. I don't mind. It didn't feel like fifty minutes. Yeah, it didn't feel like fifty minutes. I mean that that pretty I, much flew by. I feel like the next what do we got one? So the next four I feel like will probably be around the forty minute mark, and then they might go bump back up again for the last one. I think they tried to give you as much introductory and background as you could here. So like I said, for those of you with, you know, a stick up your ass, STFU. And on that note, that is going to do it for our first week of, uh, shoot, low-key review. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to pay a little visit over to the trailer park. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. All right, and that music means, everyone, that we have wandered our way back into the trailer park. Welcome, welcome back to Bandwagon Nerds. Here we are. I love this time of year when we start getting trailers left and right. And this week, I pulled out two that I think aren't on anybody's radar. One that is on teenage me's um actually like junior high me's radar and the one that was on all of our radar that we're really excited about but most of these are on the horror side of things or the suspenseful side of things i was very excited about this and our first stop is going to be about a little independent film that i just sort of stumbled across as i was um tripping through uh websites for a movie called meander and for those of you who I uh, don't know anything about this. I, I strongly recommend you look this up. And it, it called back to, and I mentioned this at the top of the show, Tony's not big on horror, 
But when we were doing the 90s project and we were talking about horror movies, Tunney had one movie in particular that he was really excited to talk about and share. And it shares a lot with this film. And that was the movie Cube. And I'll let Tony talk a little bit about the comparisons. But the, the concept of Meander is this woman who has clearly been kidnapped, has been placed inside of a, a tunnel, a tube. It looks like about the size of an air conditioning duct. And she's being forced to crawl through what is some sort of maze. And there are obstacles left and right. And I was right there with you. Couldn't see any way, other way around it, Tony. It felt like a, 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 an homage to Cube at the very least. So what were your thoughts checking this particular trailer out? Yeah, the Cube comparison, you know, draws a very nice parallel. You you see it's, it's a little more horror-ish as opposed to psychological right. thriller. Um, you know, you, you end up seeing a few more different variants of like, there's some monsters inside of there, obviously. Uh, it, it's just up to date. It's great. It seems like a better storyline. They give you a premise as to actually how this person got there a little bit. Um, you, you seem at one point to see that her daughter is there or is that her daughter? Um, so I'm, I, I, I might actually check this out considering I was a fan of the original, uh, or not the original, but the movie that we parallel with this. So, I yeah, while horror is not my thing, I, I did enjoy that trailer and the premise on which it was created. And I'm a I'm kind of a claustrophobic, so like in that the, like in the in the in theaters the theater? that might get you. At home, yeah. maybe not so much, but in the theaters, yeah, for sure. Especially if you're not sitting on the sides where the lights right above you. Exactly, Dave. What about you? What do you think? Weird trailer. That's that's what I thought. <laughs> Very strange. Um, Not a cube fan. Yeah, I mean, I honestly got a bit more of a Saw vibe off of this thing than Cube to a certain extent because it felt like you've been really placed. Mean. It just like you've been placed in a situation with a bunch of impossible choices. None of them are going to end well for you. I mean, I guess I definitely see the Cube comparison, but I felt a lot of Saw vibes going on as well. Um, and it and it just, I, I mean, it. it the concept looks very interesting, but the trailer's just strange. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, from a horror standpoint, it, it looks interesting. I, I'm interested to see what they do with it because it does feel like there's more to this than just a straight up abduction, place somebody in an impossible situation and watch them squirm like a worm on a hook type of situation. There's more than that going on here. Well, and Tony, you, I think there's a psychological thriller element as well because the, the, the trailer starts out and it's very physical, right? Like this woman is in this tunnel and she's crawling along and she gets to a point and it's blocked by like razor wire. Then there's another, yeah, there's another tunnel or there's another scene where the top and the bottom of the tunnel are like compressing closer and closer together. She's got something that is a timer on her watch or on her wrist and that she's trying to keep track. There's flames that are shooting out behind her at one point. There's other voices. There's other people. And then it starts to get into like, like I talked about this There's like moment where it's like, she's in a, a chamber, but it's like fleshy and there's like a face pushed against it. And you're like, I'm like, is she dreaming? Is that real? What's up? And that, you know, it just, to me, like it pushed all the right buttons. And I do think that that boxed in feeling is really going to hit home in a theater. Uh, it reminds me there's a, and I can't, the title of the movie is going to elude me, but I want to say there's a Ryan Reynolds movie where he's trapped in a coffin 
or something like that, where he lights a, where he's like buried alive. Um, or if you've ever seen Kill Bill Volume 2, where Uma Thurman's buried alive and she's got to punch her way out of a coffin, like that, those scenes in the theater, like my body actually, the temperature of the theater doesn't drop, but to me it feels cold. And it's so, it's so good. And I'm really hoping that that's the kind of vibe we get out of that. Talk um, about talk about your mind playing tricks on you. I, I had the pleasure of hanging out with DP on Friday and played some golf and went back and had some good food. But he has an amazing VR setup in his basement. And my goodness, the way that takes you out of the realm of reality is just amazing. So, you know, that comparison movie wise is very interesting. Not all of us can have a home theater. Uh, well, DP's he's part of the Illuminati, apparently, according to Chris. Yeah, he, he Dr. Strange, your best friends. Another former host of the show that we need to get. Sorry, I, I was actually looking to see if I swear to God, I'm going to have to find this. I know there's a Ryan Reynolds movie where he's in a coffin or something. I Somebody, feel, I have a feeling we're going to talk about Ryan Reynolds. I just have this sneaking suspicion. We might, we, we might, might talk it's about ability. But before Go we figure. get to that premonition, I'm going to jump you back to my junior high days. So when I'm a, I'm a big reader, like I've always talked about this. I've always been a big, um, books for my life as a kid, like fantasy horror and all that. And when I was a, 13, 14, 12, 13, 14 year old, junior high into early high school, there were two authors who really hit the big time. And this is a little bit, Dave, this is well past Dave's time. So I understand if this didn't hit you the same way, but R.L. Stein and Christopher Pike were two of the biggest names uh, in teen horror. And they did a movie. Or not, they did. R.L. Stein had a series of books called Fear Street that were these loosely tied together horror novels for teenagers, young teenagers. The movie is called Buried. Yes, thank you, Tony. It was 2010. Ryan Reynolds, Buried, and yeah, and it's very claustrophobic, very same concept, just buried in there. But Netflix is doing a mini series with this based on these books. They're taking three stories from three different eras, three different movies, and they're all interconnected to tell one woven story. I am unbelievably hyped for the for these movies, if for no other reason than I have a very fond bit of nostalgia for these books. And they're teen horror, so it's always kind of it's a little less like like it was scary but not scary like people died but it wasn't like horrific like it was it kind of pushed the envelope of things this these look like they're going to go a little bit further but they're covering three different eras they're covering an era in 1994 that looks like it's going to be like a teen, classic teen party sort of murder mayhem story a homage to what i can only say is friday the 13th taking place in the 70s where it's kids in a summer camp and then old school Salem witch trial horror, something that's taking place in 1668 that is supposed to be about the history of this town. Um, I, I hope they don't suck because this is one of those bits of my childhood that are my, my early teen years that I, I loved very, very much and really got me into horror novels was like the gateway drug to Stephen King for me. So 
yeah, that's those are my thoughts. Dave, I don't know what your thoughts are. I know you probably didn't read the books. They weren't necessarily your you weren't the target audience at the time as a man who was probably in his twenties when these things hit. Yeah, I don't think I was the target audience. But with that being said, the trailer looks very interesting. I mean this this one, like I, you know, Meander was kind of strange. This one was pretty cool because it's it's um it's a difficult trick to take three short stories and string them together in a cohesive way that that actually makes sense, even though they're all kind of different properties. So I'm I'm extremely interested to see what they do with this because the, each story looks very good, and you get the I haven't read the books, but I get the feeling there's some overarching antagonist behind all of this thing, and it's all touching on all three stories. So I thought the trailer looked really good. Um, and it does have the three different eras going on that are very distinct from each other. And they lots of callbacks to, like you said, Friday the 13th, you got the camp going on and, and some slasher story of killers going on. And then some other supernatural stuff from, I think it was 1666 or something like that. 1666. Uh, that's yeah. right. So, um, yeah, six six six. Go figure. I, I'm in. I, I this one. This one I liked. I, I enjoyed this trailer. It, it captured me right away. I thought the concept is cool. It's very different. So yeah, this is one I definitely want to check out. It's funny because you got me on two horror movies, Patrick. Because I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy like I enjoy the storytelling backwards. Obviously, yeah. from something I did recently personally. Uh, but it's just a great concept. I love the fact that you're going to get them a week at a time as well. It, it just seems like a good story. And yeah, I, you, you got me on two horror movies, brother. Kudos. I, I'm going to take that as an overall W then. Cause uh, I, uh, for anybody who's listened to these shows, Tony's toughest challenge in the, in the nineties project was, was the horror genre. Um, and a lot of times, uh, or if you just, even uh, the army of the dead opinions, he, he made it 10 minutes folks. And was like, this is not my thing. I'm out. True story. So, so that is, a, that is a big deal. And I'm going to take that as a win. The other win that I'm hoping to get someday is to get some more people on board with Apple TV is they're starting to put out some trailers for some intriguing content. And this week they dropped a trailer for, an alien invasion movie. It's simply titled or not movie. I think it's a series titled simply invasion. Uh, maybe it's a movie. I, I I'm not sure which, uh, I, I couldn't really tell out of the, uh, out of the original content, but it was a trailer that told you a lot without telling you a lot. And that's the thing I love about it. You had Sam Neill, which right there should be argument one as to why you should watch this show. Because Sam Neill is low-key one of the best sci-fi slash horror actors in the business. And the more I see of him, the more I'm reminded of how good he was. I mean, everybody knows Dr. Alan Grant from Jurassic Park. But Event Horizon, I just got done watching John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness, which is phenomenal. And he is the engine that drives that baby. You know, he played Merlin. He was oh, so underrated as Damien in The Final Conflict, just because that movie's not Damien. that good, oh. but he right. was fantastic as the Antichrist and as that grown-up right. character. It's a 10-episode series. Thank you. Tony is doing all of the producer yeoman's work today, efforting the information, so kudos to the live studio audience. He's like a really in good fact, intern, isn't he? Live studio audience, give yourself a hand. Not get, not get paid. 
recognize, recognize. There you go. But I can drink on the job, so I'm. I'm there here. you go. That's that's the best kind of job. But so this so this trailer really just shows you a lot of people in their lives. You get snippets of something going on. Like you get a lot of these characters. Like there's an astronaut of some sort. There's clearly a family uh, that element that's involved. You've got a soldier of some sort who appears to be in the Middle East. Uh, just based on like clothing and look and where he is. And you got Sam Neill, who's this looks like a small town sheriff in, you know, rural America. And, and you get like one glimpse of an alien and you get children with nosebleeds. And, and it's and it's really Sam Neill's monologue that he's giving in the background about like human the human animal and people being alone and whether we're we're not alone and and it's it's very compelling, and I'm like, shit. There's another, an, I, you know, I got Ted Lasso coming up on this. I've got the Charles Schultz movie documentary coming up on this. Now I've got Invasion. I don't know where I'm gonna find the time, guys, because as we're about to talk about after the next commercial break, we got, we got a lot of Netflix shit to watch too coming up. This this tra- trailer for me was somewhere between Meander and and the uh, and Fear Street is like. It's interesting, but it's still kind of strange because you you never I never felt like I had a grasp as to all right what exactly is going on here. I know it deals with aliens and an alien invasion, and obviously with the confirmation that UFOs are real, this creates all sorts of existential issues along the way. But that withstanding, it, it's it's like yeah, it's like okay, what what is going on here? There, it felt kind of like um, I don't know, like knowing a little bit. There's some elements of that going on, but yeah, where the kids all develop nosebleeds at the same time tells you that there's something, um, you know, perhaps it's not, you know, a lot of the movies talk about alien invasions being a psychological attack and not just the little green men show up on your doorstep and say, come with a, you know, take me to your leader, that sort of thing. So yeah, it, it, it looks, it looks interesting as to what they're doing with it. And it, and it does make sense that it's a TV show because they really didn't, show you a lot of their cards they showed you maybe one or two of them and held the rest back but yeah you get one thing at the end i don't know if it's an alien or an alien ship at the very end of that thing but um something big something something ominous and and so yeah this this one this one has me intrigued as well well it looks like a great story uh it's two for three uh you're gonna have to let me know (laughs) if it's really really good you know i'm gonna have to check it out i I am a fan of a few of the cast that are they're going to be playing some key roles here in this in this series but um on top of the fact i don't have apple tv but that's something i might have to get into just for ted lasso but yeah uh it looks well done just not my genre we'll see if you guys are giving it top ratings I'll, i'll check it out absolutely okay so, Dave, you mentioned it. Probably the biggest headlining trailer that hit this week is a Ryan Reynolds flick. We've actually talked about it once previously on this show. We, we They dropped a tre- teaser, but we got a more in-depth trailer of the movie Free Guy, which tells the story of an NPC from a video game of some sort played by Ryan Reynolds, who gets thrust into not being an NPC and a whole exposure of the world. And it looks fun. Looks a lot of fun, a lot of exciting. And it's kind of fun because Ryan Reynolds is getting to jump into a role that he hasn't played in a while. 
like Ryan's really played a lot of these like smarmy like Deadpool, right? Like he's been in Deadpool and characters like Deadpool. I'm about to watch. I haven't. I'm embarrassed to admit I haven't seen this movie yet, but I got it uh, the other day because I still get discs at Netflix. The Hitman's Bodyguard. I haven't seen yet. I've heard it's pretty the sequel's good. Sequel's coming out. Right, and then that's kind of what I want to see it because um, you all know how I feel about Salma Hayek, and uh, she's the she's the bot hitman's wife, and yes, um, she's smoking. Anyway, but Ryan Reynolds gets to play like the straight like he used to do this all the time where he was like the straight laced like uncomfortable dude. He's gonna be that in this who kind of discovers this amazing thing. And so, gentlemen. We'll start with Tony. You can give your reaction at first, uh, followed by Dave. I'm just going to give you guys some time to hear some thoughts. Yeah, you know, we saw that first trailer whenever we covered it uh, so many weeks ago or months ago, and you didn't necessarily know that he was an unknowing video game character, and now you have that, right? It's going to be him against the video game creator. The mystery is, who is this woman that's helping him, right? Uh it's funny because like the thing that comes to my mind is I already assume this is going to be really good and I would like them to continue this on, but not with Ryan Reynolds with a different video game and a different star. Right. I feel like this could be such a, uh, a continuation, such a, like they could do a trilogy or however many movies they want to do with this concept because video games are just gigantic. Right. I mean, this kind of looks more like a like a little bit of a GTA kind of thing with the, like a PG a PG GTA kind of thing where you know you got everything happening at once. You could do a Fortnite thing. You, you could just go with the popular most popular video games and continue to to create new movies. So the concept is excellent. Ryan Reynolds cast in that main character is very intriguing, and I think this is going to draw a lot a lot of eyeballs, Dave. Oh, yeah. This is one I'm definitely in on because, yeah, Ryan Reynolds is one of my favorite actors. Um, I think I gave you guys the link. Did you see the uh, the thing he did with the American, the uh, aviation gin, the vasectomy drink that he made? Yes. <laughs> hilarious. yes yeah. um, well done. But he he's he's just emerged as just this great talent who was probably underrated for so long. And then Deadpool comes along and then you see a lot of the other stuff he's done. But, yeah, I, I like the concept of um you know, video game characters achieving sentience to a certain extent, like they come to the realization that, oh, we are just in a video game. And, 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 you know, what, what can we do to get out of that situation or what can we do to make our situation better? And we don't just have to follow our programming, which creates some unique sort of stuff. I mean, it's, there's a wreck it Ralph element to the movie going on along with ready player one. And it looks just like a lot of fun. And, and I like what you're saying, Tony, like, you know what kind of other video games this is a this looks like a very sandbox based base game that they're playing in and a lot everything you know it's just a free for all but um it it like pat said it looks like a lot of fun and, and that's the can main I thing tell you, can i tell you one of my favorite moments Tony, and then I'll, I'll let you jump back in was them going through the different cycles of things happening to ryan reynolds in the game that like players just do to NPCs and it reminded me like Grand Theft Auto right where you can just kind of do whatever you want to NPCs and him getting kicked in the nuts and it's, and the person getting 200 points for kicking him in the nuts for no reason like that was hilarious I just like a life because who hasn't done that I draw a little bit of a WandaVision comparison here mm-hmm. where the secondary characters that look in this movie feel like they're going to evolve like the his his best friend the security guard he's like I don't know, man. 
as long as I'm with you helping my best friend out, I'm okay. But by the end of the trailer, you see Ryan Reynolds pumping everybody up saying, this is a video game. Let's just, I don't know what's going on, but I love it. You know, uh, it, right. it seems like you got, uh, these people are slowly leaving their comfortability and this spell that they could be under inside of said video game. Now, the other thing to be excited about this and why this is going to be a great movie, Taika Waititi is the bad guy in the real world. Taika, Taika Waititi is the programmer that wants to destroy his own game. And this is a guy, this, this guy's hilarious. Like, and, and I think most of us know him more for his directing work with Thor Ragnarok, his, his work coming up with Love and Thunder, What We Do in the Shadows. He's a pretty darn good actor too. And I I can't I, I kind of can't wait to see how he plays as a douchebag game programmer who just wants to destroy his own creation. I think that's gonna be a lot of fun as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's um it's clearly the funnest of the trailers we got this week. The least dark, that's for sure. But um it's it just looks oh. like it's it just looks like like you said, fun is the operative word with this movie and yeah, I take my money. In response to the dark trailer thing, I mean, you guys are DC fans, and I understand that that's all you want is dark and misery all the yeah, time. There you go. There you go. Oh, boy. It's not that bright, fun hey, look, joy. They can't all be Howard the Duck, Pat. You know, they just can't. They can't all be Howard the Duck. That is true. This is a joke that springs eternal. And with that joke, we are going to make our way out of the trailer park and head into our second commercial break. Before we go into our recorded commercials, it is my duty to remind you that if you like what we do here on the Chairshot Radio Network, head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and support us by considering and buying a shirt. We have over 25 different designs for you to choose from. Everything from various programs within the Chairshot Radio Network, like A Winner Is You and the very and this very podcast bandwagon nerds, to some popular catchphrases like hashtag journalism, save tag team wrestling, hashtag Greg's fault, all of that stuff. Everyone hates Greg, not Greg, hashtag Greg's fault. That's a shirt I keep wanting to get made. That's a good that idea right there. You haven't, you haven't made it, hashtag Greg's fault. Second and happen. thirded. There you go. Um, and it's really the best way to support our, our network and what we do. We bring quality content to you every day it's not easy to do and the easiest way to show your support and love is by heading over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and getting a shirt you can get it in your standard style at $19.99 or if you're feeling fancy spend a few extra dollars and get it soft style the approved style of one Miranda Morales again that site is prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot when we come back we are going to talk about the news dump that Netflix gave us as they gave us a ton of news and we are excited for all of it. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, we're back. And every now and again on the bandwagon, I like to kind of kick us as a collective. And 
I'm going to kick us as a collective, and, and I'm going to kick us a little bit because I'm going to blame it on the Hero Project. We were a little wrapped up in that. But I feel like we've been pretty good about jumping on a hype train of something that's coming before it happens. And I don't know about the, uh, the two of you. Netflix had Geek Week, and none of us knew it was coming. Did you know it was coming, Dave? Because I didn't know it was coming. No. Johnny saying no. I had no idea. So, so Netflix, in the vein of all these other companies, whether it's Disney, Warner Brothers, DC, they, they had a week-long event where they dropped all kinds of news of stuff that's coming. And some of it was old hat stuff that we knew. Uh, you know, shows coming back, and we're going to talk about those. One of those is something that I could have put in the trailer park, but I decided to save it for this Netflix news dump because I kept looking at it. It was like, oh, we got news about this show, this show, this show, this show, this show. Like, and it's all Netflix stuff. Just cheeseburger, 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 Coke. Um, and yeah, I just, I can't believe we did, like, there was no real hype around this. It, it didn't feel like a big event, but then all of a sudden, hashtag Geek Week was all over Twitter this past week, and, and they gave us all kinds of news, and we're going to hopefully break down the four that I think are the biggest to us, but go Netflix, because I didn't see it coming, and we've been clamoring for Netflix news for a while now, as you're about to see, so I don't know. I've got four things here. We don't necessarily have to go through them in order, uh, but they dropped news about three shows that we watch uh, that we covered on the show in Lock and Key, The Umbrella Academy, and The Witcher. And they gave us our first real look at Kevin Smith's upcoming Masters of the Universe project, Masters of the Universe Revelations. Which show, which news bite do you want to cover first? Because they're all a little bit different. I have not. So I'll I'll say this. I have not seen any episodes of Umbrella Academy, and I'm going to have to catch up with you guys before that drops. So if you want to start there, and I'll kind of lay back and well, listen in. And, he, and here's the bright side. All we got out of Umbrella Academy is that season three is coming and a list of the names of the episodes. So of the ones that we that we did, that one might be the easiest one to cover because it's just like we finally know it's coming. And we've got some episodes titled. Yeah, I like the uh, hey. the title for the last episode. <laughs> Definitely caught you me. Know, actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring well, the, that article up. I, I, this one I stuck with me. The other one's not so much. But the last episode's called Oblivion, which is certainly um, not very uplifting it's when a, you with the history of this a, show. Feels like a little bit of finality there, in the in the worst way possible. Because um, yeah, Umbrella Academy is one of the shows that we reviewed. And it's a fantastic show. And when we left off last time, we had another time jump that they'd gone through and they show up in this alternate reality where not only is brother Ben still alive, but he's starting up the Sparrow Academy, apparently. So um, right. we didn't get any more. We didn't get details as to dates or anything like that, but they did give us the titles of the episodes. And and, and yeah, I mean, what are you going to really glean from a title? But yeah, the last episode when they say Oblivion, it's like, hmm. That does that sounds a bit foreboding. Yeah, danger, Will Robinson, danger. Um, one of the things we know they're going to address is Elliot Page, uh, because when we last saw Elliot, Elliot uh, was was not Elliot, and they have made it very clear that they're going to be addressing that. So we'll be interested to see how that comes to be. Um, 
I know I have enough faith in the showrunners and what they're putting together that that it will be done in uh, a tasteful way. I don't think it's going to be something I mean, embarrassing. That's a great thing about that show is that it, it's right. got such a, a loose kind of kind of uh, fabric tying everything together that, yeah, they make a time jump and next thing you know, she's different. It, you know what right. I mean? <laughs> Without getting into details. Exactly. So, yeah, Tony, you're going to have to get caught up. The The bright side is it's about 20 episodes. Uh, did we get a date? I don't know that we got a date. I, can do that so, I don't even know if they confirmed that they're filming yet, but they did give us titles. I mean, we got titles. So, I mean, meet the family. I love somebody on the Twitter thread came up with their own titles. Um, and their title for the, the 10th episode of season three, your oblivion episode, they wrote season four. <laughs> like that, that was, that was their not so subtle. We want this. Um, yeah. Netflix has been notorious and, and of course is continuing the trend of, not giving us everything we want, but at least we got a snippet of something like that. Um, let's go to the show that a lot of times when we reviewed, we just said the title of the show and that was all we needed. And that was lock and key. We did get a return date for lock and key. And so that is very exciting. And it's uh, October. I want to say um, to address all of those October second, twenty second. Did they say that? Did they actually give a date, Tony? I, I thought I it was thought just October. I saw, I, when you when you said October, I thought I saw the twenty second. Be honest. So this is warning: big news from the Locke family. Season two will premiere. The page is still loading, so I'm not getting the picture. Let's see if I click it. If that gives me the picture, definitely was October. Um, and I can't actually press it because it's a video, so it's going to be press play. So. But they oh, they no. gave us some images. Oh, eight apparently to be determined. My bad. Twenty two jumped in on me for some reason. Right. So when we left off, there was a lot of there were some pretty significant cliffhangers. And in fact, you know, the people at IO nine they talk about you know people um, certain characters emerging rather in an italics changed by the sea cave shenanigans in the finale. So we're only a few months before we get into this again. There were some images. They don't really tell us much, but they do tell us, you know, who's who's coming back. Um, and that's always nice. You got Kinsey walking on water. Uh, that's that's kind of a thing. We I don't know. It's it's got a lot of folks back that, that we expected and, and a few new ones. Bodie with uh, a new character by the name of Jamie. They're clearly looking for clues or something. We don't know what. Everybody's favorite Bobby Drake, Will Duncan, um, Locke, uh, played by Aaron Ash. Iceman. Was he Ashman or Iceman or was he the other twin? I can't remember. I remember the whole episode. I got to pull that soundbite for every time you say Iceman. Like from. I know, right? Yeah. From Spider Man and his amazing friends. I I introduced Top Gun. Tony's favorite movie, Top Gun. Oh, come on now. (laughs) So, what, what do we. What are, what are we are we just excited? Is this just a hype train thing? Where where what do you want to see happen as we get into season two? Oh, I defer to Tony since he's the one who got us into this series in the first place. Yeah, it was actually kind of your fault, Jerk. I yeah, but now you're glad you're here. So you know, I I just want to see more good shit, pal. I mean, right. really, 
do we do we really like this is a hard one to kind of speculate on what kind of storyline they're going to have uh just because they can yeah. go on a whole bunch of different ways uh, i mean they're it's not like like we're going to talk about the witcher and we got a little more information there and you kind of can speculate a little bit more on what they're going to do for me i'm like I don't know what I'm more excited about, Lock and Key or The Witcher. The, there's a two of my favorite series that are just, you know, in production right now. So I, I hope we get to know a little bit maybe more about the keys. Are there more keys? Well, I mean, I here, think there's always more keys. Here's the thing, though. If you actually, like, do a little digging around as far as the graphic novel line that they've adap- adap- adapted this from, man, they have barely scratched the surface of the keys and the oh. things that are going on. So there's, Amen. there's so much that they can do with this season um, that they can incorporate from the graphic novels and bring in. There's so much more that they haven't, they haven't, they, yeah, they've really just, it's just the tip of the iceberg with them. So I'm just thrilled that it's coming back. We've been waiting for a long, it feels like a very long time that, you know, what was it last February where they actually came out with the show and we went through it. So yeah, it's like a year and a that half, was, and now and that was a, and that was our and that was our rapid fire one. That was this. That was actually the review that made me realize that I didn't want to do it that way. Nah, that hey, was Umbrella hey. Academy. We we took Lock and Key. Was that Umbrella Academy? Yeah, we took. We we, we Lock and Umbrella Key, Academy was the one we binged because they dropped them all at once. Binged. Yeah, right. Well, and we were behind. We were a season behind, right. if I recall. Like they dropped season two, but we hadn't seen season one. I'm with you, Tony. I think that we're going to get a lot more about the mansion and the keys themselves and the family. And of course, with these characters now having powers, I mean, clearly you got, like I said, there's an image of Kinsey walking on water. So there's, there's definitely going to be something going on there. Is it a power or is it a key? Maybe. I mean, that's a good question. We don't know. Um, But I do think that all around, that there's so much more to explore and that they really just scratch the surface. And and I think I fully disclose this. This is true with umbrella Academy. Well, hadn't really read the books in either one of those. So reading the comics and not really being familiar, it's made this a very different experience. I don't have that. Oh, this is where they're going with X, Y, and Z that I have in other ones. It's the same thing I'm getting out of right now. Umbrella or not umbrella Academy, um, doom patrol because I started watching doom patrol and um, three or four episodes, and I'm, I think I'm on episode four now, just of the first season. And I, I mean, Dave, I, I got to back Tony on this. You got to watch this. There's a there's an interdimensional donkey that that like I, I don't even know. Like, Say no more. Say no there's more. There's a donkey with a, a whole dimension inside of its stomach, and it eats you, and you end up in this other world, and it vomits people out and farts weird green gas. It's a whole thing. Me, it is on my list you. of shows to watch. I'm making it at a priority. Here's, here's the other reason why it should be a priority. Alan Tudyk is the narrator slash antagonist, at least at the beginning. And if you know anything about Alan Tudyk, he is one of the great character actors of science fiction and fantasy of our time. Like he's got his own show going right now on sci-fi, but he's terrific in this one. I love it. Um, as well as Timothy Dalton, Tony, you mentioned it. Let's get to the other big, uh, footage that we got revealed. We got some Witcher footage, y'all. We got some Witcher footage that is going to 
basically wet the it's it's just to wet the appetite right like it's just it's a little it's a little taste we got we got a little bit more of um oh what's her name i'm again siri siri we got a lot of siri centric stuff as we saw i I don't i don't even want to spoil it dave go just just, go just a lot of siri based stuff i don't think we got any sightings of Geralt in in the footage that we got it's just it, it seems very focused on Siri and what's going on around her and well, she was a big deal at the end she was she was the, uh, that and, and she is if I remember correctly it's been a while like she's um uh Geralt's I forget what she was you know but she's the one who was like bestowed to him or something like that so right. they, had a, they had a word for it in the show I don't remember what the hell it was because it's been a while since we saw it but yeah, she became a, 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 a central integral part to everything going on at the end. But, you know, the, the footage we got was very focused on her. Nothing with Geralt, nothing with Yennefer. And that's fine. You know, it's a start. It's it's a start of something. And I wish we would have got more information like a date or something when season two is coming. But at least we know there's footage out there. Series going to be very important in season two. And it can't get here soon enough. Save up your coins because you're gonna have to toss them to your Witcher. There you go. Well done, Dave. Yeah, Siri. Uh, she's the sole princess of Sintra, and isn't that part of the end of the series where it's like you? He's he's technically responsible for her now, or married to her, yes. right? So, do we start with a backstory to that? Is that kind of where we're going? Um, it's interesting. I think the fact well, that I think the fact that a lot of it's focused on her. It tells you and makes me feel good that there's going to be at least another season. Right. Well, and if you'll remember for most of that first season, she's lost in the fucking woods. Right. And kind of wandering around on her own. So this, and she comes into like this big moment of power at the end of the first season. And now we get to explore that. Here are a couple of things that we need to pay attention to. Mark your calendars, gentlemen, July 9th, is WitcherCon, and I can't imagine that we're not going to get some more stuff come July 9th about what's coming. The other thing that if you haven't done, I'd recommend doing, and I know neither of you two are particularly huge on anime, but there is a Witcher prequel um, project coming as well. It's an anime, uh, anime movie prequel called Nightmare of the Wolf. So, you know, there's more... They're, they're going to do more than just the very, you know, the very brief touches of what we got to see of Siri training, learning how to use her power, learning how to be who she is destined to become. Uh, but we've been we've been so starved for for Netflix news about these three. And, yeah, you know, I, I haven't gotten the you know, like I've, I've been wanting to talk about Stranger Things for a while. And, and I don't know that either of you have really done Stranger Things either. But um, on season three, Pat, I'm almost there, buddy. There you go. Absolutely. Uh, I'd be interested to hear how you feel about the ending of of season three. But these these were the three shows that we've really been hyped about. and We've been begging for information. And we finally, you know, kudos to Netflix for giving us some some morsels. And, And it really was tidbits like we didn't get a lot, but it was it was just kind of a good feeling to know that we're we're still on this. Like, and I don't think that Netflix wasn't on it, but their history of dropping shows just kind of out of nowhere always has me concerned when you don't hear anything about them. 
And, and so to hear that those three are definitely on track in some way, a track, uh, was reassuring. Yeah. And that the pandemic didn't completely obliterate everything. Right. That brings me, and I'm glad that I saved this for last because I'm not going to lie. We got a masters of the universe revelations trailer and you think you're excited. Feel these nipples. It's oh nice. my one. I've always had faith in Kevin Smith when it comes to this stuff because this is Amen. his thing. This is his wheelhouse. I laughed. We uh, just to, to pull back the curtain when Christopher Platt was talking about Superman stuff, and he was like, "I don't know that Kevin Smith can make a Superman movie." I wanted to be like, "Son, son, the dude owns a fucking comic book store, like." Super, like that shit's his shit. Uh, like that was all in. When I heard he was doing a Masters of the Universe show, this interesting animated kind of looks like a combination of anime um, slash spiritual sequel to the to the original cartoon. I'm like, if anybody can do it and make it look good, it's Kevin Smith. And then I saw it. I saw this trailer. It got dropped. Everything looked amazing as I fanboy out over this. The little O'Dowd, his quote upon watching this trailer, that was pretty epic. And that, I think, captures it all. Like, this looked epic in scope for an animated series. Like, it looked huge. And that's what always made Masters of the Universe and the He-Man characters great as a kid they were literally larger than life they were superior and just bigger than everything it was the professional wrestling of cartoons in that just everything was massive and huge and epic and amazing and the monsters were always oversized and the explosions were always the biggest and skeletor was always trying for world domination and it was great and for me it ranked right up there with the transformers and gi joe as far as animation that i needed to watch and needed to see and Orko apparently became a competent wizard between the 80s cartoon and now. And that is just excellent to see. I can't wait for this series. Dave, thoughts on this trailer? It felt, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> an impressive trailer. It's surprising, like reading the uh, people who just had so many reservations about whether this would be good or not. And and like, could they? Where was it going to go? Where are they going to pick up where the '80s left off? How do you do that? It's like who gives a shit? Um, but the the trailer was excellent. It had a, a very you know, I mean, animation is now once you once you sit down and watch like Invincible, I think you're, it really alters a lot of people's perceptions or any of the DC animated stuff or or into the Spider Verse. It alters your perception as to what anime is and what it isn't. And this was a trailer that really shows what anime animation can do, what it can bring to the table, how it could bring one of the most beloved franchises back to life essentially. And, and just continue the story. I mean, that first scene where you just castle Grayskull, it's like, wow, that's castle Grayskull. And then we're off and running from there. And, and, and it, and it just, they just did so much in the trailer to just hit that nostalgia button. That let, let's going to appeal to guys. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was a big He-Man fan, not, on your guys level, but still um, the trailer's fantastic. It, it immediately, I look at that saying, okay, this is something I want to see and, and kind of get back into because they've really done 
some excellent stuff. And yeah, I have zero qualms about Kevin Smith being able to deliver a epic quality product. So yeah, Count Me In is another show that we have to check out. It's a perfect marriage considering the people that grew up with Masters of the Universe also grew into Kevin Smith movies, right? So you have that trust right there. I have the utmost trust in Kevin Smith in doing this. And, and that's, I think, what's most exciting. Uh, it, it, just, it just feels right. I, I think that's the best way I, I can put it simply. It really does, especially from the trailer we watched and everything else. I'm interested to see how the storytelling is going to unfold and, and what kind of powers they're going to accentuate while they move through said storyline. But like I said, just to reiterate it again, I can't say enough to Patrick's first point is we, we as an, as a, as a, as a comic and movie nation, we have a lot of trust in Kevin Smith and personally, he hasn't disappointed me yet. No, not at all. Here's the, um, the other thing I want to say about that, this is the third kind of go around at bringing back Masters of the Universe uh, because there was a very poorly done cartoon in the early 90s that I don't recommend watching. Cartoon Network had a very, I thought, very good limited series run that actually aesthetically looks a lot of like what Kevin Smith is doing with, with this new go around. And then there's this one, but this is the third attempt to, to get this off the ground. And I hope, and maybe that's part of it is I really, I really want so badly for this to work and I want it to be good. And I think Kevin Smith is the right guy to do it. So yeah, I, I echo that sentiment. Uh, we, there's so much stuff that got revealed this week on Netflix. I like, I'm just kind of going through the rundown of things that we missed, um, and other announcements. Like there was the announcement of a live action resident evil cast. There is a video game show based on what's that tea. It's like the teacup head game or something like, I can't remember what it's called. There's little, uh, there's Cuphead, Yeah. They're making a show based on Cuphead. Um, there's there's a bunch of video game based show, like Netflix really dropped a lot of news. And if you are looking for more information on it, if you just Google search Netflix Geek Week, there's plenty of other sites that did just terrific rundowns of everything that's coming, whether that's anime announcements uh, like their Castlevania anime is getting a, a spinoff. Um, based on that video game franchise, which, by the way, if you haven't seen the Castlevania anime, uh, I would recommend that. It's pretty darn good as well, especially if you liked those games. Uh, it's horror, but it's horror animation. It's it's totally great stuff. Just an overload and a deluge of information. It was a very exciting week for Netflix, and I just wish it hadn't been so low-key because I didn't know what was happening. Ha! Ha! Putting... Right. That was... Totally intentional. Uh, <laughs> and, and I wish we, I wish I would have, I wish I would have been able to devote more time to kind of what was happening with it. But unfortunately, uh, we saw the news that we saw dropped. And yeah, Netflix do better. We, we here on the bandwagon would like to support you more fully. Can I throw one last thing out there before we move on from Go Netflix? And what genre do you think I'm going to hit here? Cooking shows. Fresh, fried, and crispy with Damon Patterson on Netflix is excellent. Enough said. 
that is enough said. I think that we'll we'll end it right there. Check out Netflix. Check out Geek Week. That's where you can find all of the best information of what's coming on that streaming service, which apparently not dead. You know, everybody else buying stuff out. Netflix don't care. They're just putting out content. Is mayonnaise an instrument? Want to go jellyfishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is. Gentlemen, as we sit on the precipice of the fastest bandwagon nerds episode in chair shot radio history. We can fix that. I, I mean, yeah, time to screw that up. <laughs> I come to you with a question. One of the other bits of news that dropped this week uh, in mainstream news outlets was the the announcement of an upcoming series run in Marvel announcing the death of Doctor Strange. And not spoiling anything, the name of the, the five-issue arc is literally the death of Doctor Stephen Strange. So it's not like I'm spoiling anything, like, no, no what, this is happening. Doctor Strange is dying, and it got me to thinking, uh, this doesn't get announced in mainstream outlets if it's not for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we've talked about this uh, kind of off and on in regards to some other hero heroes. Movies, though, have really created a level of consciousness about heroes, that superheroes and comic book heroes, that I don't think we'd ever even remotely considered until Tony Stark said, I am Iron Man, and made a bajillion dollars for Paramount. And so my question for you guys this week is, outside of Iron Man, what kind of lesser-known hero do you think has benefited the most from these cinematic universes, whether it's DC or Marvel, Dave, I'll let you go first. Deadpool for sure. I think, you De think so. Yeah, absolutely. Deadpool's a, a, a niche character that had a, I wouldn't say a cult following. It had a strong following, but not the penetration that you got. And it's not just Deadpool. Ryan Reynolds benefited immensely from the introduction of the Deadpool character and an R rated superhero movie. So I think, when I look at out there as to, okay, well, who really broke through which characters um, Deadpool is the one that comes to mind. Um, certainly Thor is another one that, that really was, you know, I mean, he's looked upon differently, but yeah, I would say, I'd say Deadpool and, the, and Thor are the main ones. Um, well, I say that, but guardians of the galaxy. I mean, who the hell knew who they were before the movie came out? Quill especially, right? So, yes. so thank you for answering my question with three people instead of one people. And 27, stealing my 27 parts. 27 parts, Patrick. I'll, I'll go with the movie that we were supposed to see a long time ago and makes no sense when it's going to come out now again. And, you know, ScarJo and, and Black Widow. So I, I it was that a big thing before we even, like, before all the MCU started? I mean... Yeah, I know. Black Widow as a standalone movie and as a character, if you'd asked me, hell, even back during the first yep. Avengers run, if Black Widow would get her own movie, I was like, I don't, I don't think so. So um, I think that's an excellent choice. I'm trying to think if there's anything. I would say Shazam, oddly enough, on the DC side um, has gotten a lot more popularity and notoriety just because of the type of film it was, how much fun it was. And 
to be strong enough in a performer to allow for an offshoot sort of spin-off show in Black Adam movie in Black Adam and to garner a sequel tells you just kind of how much popularity was really gained there. Dave, you stole my Guardians of the Galaxy one. That was going to be mine because hell, even when that movie was announced, people were like, "Really? What the fuck is that?" Talking, well, how about talking the raccoon. Answer? How about the obvious answer? We started the show with it. Loki. Would you have imagined before Iron Man came out in the MCU that you'd ever see a six-part series that's going to probably encompass what four and a half, five hours on on right. Loki? No, you're absolutely right. And Loki, like, if, if we've talked about this before, if the Marvel Cinematic Universe has a problem, it has a villain problem. And really, outside of Loki and Thanos, and even Thanos really was a two movie pony, Loki has endured far beyond it. Like, everybody else seems to either get killed off or disappeared or gets put into a bit part. Like, I'm still a little salty over what happened to Crossbones. Like, that that he he was created and then was literally a throwaway death in civil war do we need an mcu movie where the vic where the the the, the antagonist doesn't prevail that's what we need where, where, oh where the where the antagonist does prevail or the pro yes that's what i mean the protagonist doesn't yeah. prevail i sorry i mixed my words there. i mean i think that's what makes infinity war so good right yeah right. is infinity war one of the best things and i've talked about this was watching my son watch infinity war and watching them flip the narrative on that that origin story and this was a true origin story of thanos in a sense where thanos really is like that is a thanos movie and is about thanos defeating the heroes not the other way around but the way they set it up and they portray it I talk about this frequently. I've talked about this on the show frequently. The little O'Dowd, when Thor arrives in Wakanda, stood up out of his chair because he was like, this is it. Thor is saving the day. And then he does it. And he was stunned. And, and he walked out. He was like, what What? What happened? I was like, we have to wait a year to find out. And he was like, a year? <laughs> a year? No, but it, you... Those are the most powerful mo moments in cinematic history is when when you think the hero is going to win and it doesn't work out that way, which is why Empire Strikes Back is so beloved by Star Wars fans, because the good guys don't win Star in Empire. Wars. What's that? What? Older Star Wars fans. Older. So you love what? Empire, too. Come on. Now. I, do. I agree <laughs> with you. That's what I'm saying, though. I can't remember. Besides Black Widow, what MCU movie are we supposed to get next? Shang-Chi and yeah. the Eternals. Okay, I would love. I, I know this is yes. putting a little bit on you, Patrick, but I think you would enjoy it. I would love to hear you put on paper the Little O'Dowd's review of the next Marvel. Like literally, I think I think we'd be reading it and going from the mouth of babes, right? I right. Mean, he, uh, yeah, it's it's very interesting, and that's going to be the next movie we go see in the cinema together. Is is going to be Black Widow? Yeah, I was, we're not going the theaters until then i was gonna ask you that because i got the push notification from fandango saying hey tickets oh, are on sale tickets are on sale and and we're already thinking it's like that's gonna be the one that's gonna get us back into the movies you know uh, especially out, out right. here I think, I think it's gonna be the one that gets a lot of people back to the theaters because the mcu and this is where you know it, yet i don't know because they're giving it disney plus premiere access too like 
So, like, if you get like, uh, is... I got a five dollar Tuesdays out by me, right? Marcus right. Theaters. So it's like, boom, I'm going to well, go on a Tuesday, you know? But, yeah, I mean, and this is 30 bucks at home. Pulling the curtain back on the Adopt family, though, like, the missus asked point blank, she's like, why go to a theater when we can just pay for premiere access and watch it forever on Disney Plus? And I have to, and that's the thing is I have to be like, but it's the theater experience. Like, and that's, that's why theaters weren't going to go away at the end of the day. So yeah, I, uh, I could see about that. I could try to get, I see if I get a, a reaction. I know the little Dow would probably love it. He, uh, he, he's, he's taken a lot of interest in, in that sort of stuff. I thought of one other group that I think has benefited really well from film and it's a movie that's got, it's got, it's a group that's got a sequel coming up that we're very excited about. That's a suicide squad. Um, even though that movie wasn't very good, in my opinion, people are excited for this next one. And I think that the first one was good enough that people wanted to see more. So Harley, for sure. Yeah. Harley, for Harley sure benefited. Top of our list, I think. But Harley Quinn has had a following well before Suicide Squad. Um, and I don't know the movies did much to to help her because she was well, popular from the second she showed up in that 90s Batman cartoon. Margot Robbie is, is one of those performances that's very synonymous with like Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man performance. Sure. She really put her stamp on that character so much so that even when they rebooted this and they got James Gunn and everything from the first Suicide Squad got stripped away, she carried over. So that's tells right. me that she has that kind of hold on that character and her performance was so you know birds of prey they had to switch the name because it was so dominated by her which is still like we said months ago my concern with the new suicide squad movie is i don't want it to be harley centric because it takes away from every everybody else i love your comparison with margot robbie playing harley quinn and robert downey jr playing tony stark because if you look at actors playing a comic book character and you judge them by public approval rating they might be at the top of both sides of the mountain right like that's another good way to look at actors portraying these comic book characters what's the public approval rating no there are some actors who have imprinted upon their roles so indelibly that you know chris hemsworth chris evans you look at those the problem with uh with uh, black panther with chadwick being gone that's a big issue you know so there are yeah, I mean, it really depends on casting. And I mean, that's one where DC got it right, where Warner Brothers got it right with, with Margot Robbie being Harley Quinn. You mentioned Hemsworth playing okay. Thor. Think about what that's done for him. He's going to play Hulk Hogan in a Netflix biopic. That's true. That's true. So, all right. Well, that is just about going to wrap up this episode. Let's do a quick once around for the social media reminders. Tony, tell everybody where they can find you out there in the interwebs universe. Find me at PC Tunney and uh, continue to listen to Chairshot Radio Network. We're continuing to provide great content for you wherever and whenever we can with just a great group of people that we have put together that do phenomenal job at everything they do. Mr. Ungar. You can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. 
And you can find me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Also, be sure to follow the Bandwagon Nerds Twitter account at Bandwagon Nerds. And of course, follow Chairshot Media at Chairshot Media as well. That's where you can get all the updates of which shows are dropping when, including your double dip on Mondays of David and myself as you get us Monday morning on Chair Shot Radio talking hockey and in the afternoon doing some bandwagon nerds action. That is going to do it for this week's episode. For PC Tunney and David Ongar, thank you very much for listening to Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, but then check out all of the great new Netflix news. There's a ton there and a lot to be excited about. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. problem, Kazansky? You're everyone's problem. That's because every time you go up in the air, you're unsafe. I don't like you because you're dangerous. That's right. Ice, man. I am dangerous. <laughs>